Well, good morning. Those of you who got out of bed today, I think that we had some sleepers in. I think somebody was up shopping late last night. I don't know. I know we got a couple of families that are out of town traveling. We probably have a couple of people who are here visiting from out of town. So welcome. We're glad that you guys are here. And um, we have been in a teaching series about the purpose of Christmas. We started it last week. And I think that it was a, an apropos, appropriate series, because I think we, we sometimes lose track of, of the purpose of Christmas in all of the, uh, the stuff that goes along with doing Christmas, right? I mean, I think it was August or September, I was in Sam's, and I saw Christmas decorations out already. Like they were the back row, but they were out. And so we, we get all of these things, these decorations and the party planning and the meals and the menus and, and trying to get our calendar coordinated and the shopping and the gifts and, and the lights and the trees and the travel and all the stuff that goes with Christmas. And by the time Christmas gets here, sometimes by the time December gets here, we're all Christmased out. Can't take any more, man. We go into survival mode. And we learned last that's right. We learned last week that survival is not the purpose of Christmas. One aspect of the purpose of Christmas is celebration. Not survival, celebration. And so we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We talked last week about who and why we celebrate. This week, we're going to talk about something else, another aspect of the purpose of Christmas. When I was preparing for the message, I started thinking about something. I was our office at home. And, and so I have three children. For those of you who don't know, I've got three daughters, a two-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a ten-year-old. And when you office at home and you have three children, sometimes there's some challenges with that. And so I was doing message prep, and Kinley, my youngest, my two-year-old, um, was being watched by the two older girls while Mommy was out doing some Christmas shopping and other stuff that Mommy just needed to get away and go do. And the two-year-old, and maybe some of you can relate to this, is in this stage of two-year-old development where she is totally mommy fixated. Like, mommy is the answer to everything. I'm hungry. I can't ask my sisters. I can't ask my daddy. I've got to go to mommy. I'm upset. Nobody can comfort me but my mommy. I want to watch Mickey Mouse on TV. Nobody else knows how to use the clicker, only mommy. Right? I could put it on Mickey Mouse for her, not okay. Needed to be mommy, right? She's totally mommy fixated, and for whatever reason that evening, she's just melting down. Now, I'm trying to work on the message. The big girls are watching her. Mommy's gone, and my two-year-old is in meltdown mode, and I started thinking about that in context of this message. See, what Kinley really was looking for in that moment, and I don't even, I'll be honest with you, I can't even remember why she was melting down. Might not have ever discovered it, because sometimes you can't get through the sobs to figure out what the kid is after, right? But I, I truly, right now, don't even remember what that meltdown was about. What I realized in that meltdown moment, though, was that Kinley was seeking a Savior, Right? She was looking for salvation from whatever situation she was dealing with, whether it was fear and anxiety because she couldn't see mommy, whether it was the, I need the TV channel changed, whether it was, I'm hungry, I need to go to the potty, whatever her problem was, she needed somebody to save her from that situation. She was looking for a savior. Mommy, to a two-year-old, is who you run to when you need salvation from any situation. Buckled up in my car seat, don't want to be here, I need somebody to save me. Mommy! Hungry, want a box of raisins, can't reach them, I need somebody to save me. Mommy! 
need to go to the potty. Nobody else will do. Mommy, mommy, mommy. Two-year-olds run to mommy. Who do you run to? Who do you run to? Grown-ups, adults, teenagers, college students, high school students, single people, married people. Who do you run to when you need a Savior? When you find yourself in one of those situations, one of those scenarios, most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us run to ourselves. We learn throughout life how to deal with whatever challenges and situations life throws at us, and we oftentimes rely on ourselves to solve our problems. We think that we can save ourselves from whatever situation we get ourselves into. But the purpose of Christmas is not about saving yourself. One aspect of the purpose of Christmas is salvation. Jesus came, he was born into this world to bring salvation because God knew something that we have a hard time dealing with. God knew, God knows. I can't save myself and neither can you. I cannot save myself. You cannot save yourself. We're a world that needs a Savior. We're a people that needs a Savior. We need to be saved. And so God sent his son, Jesus, to be the Savior. Check out Luke chapter 2, verse 11. We spent some time in Luke 2 last week. It's the Christmas story. I want to focus on one verse of Luke 2 this week. Chapter 2, verse 11 Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Today, a Savior has been born. A Savior has been born. Now, this is the angel talking to the shepherds, and he's, tell he's telling the shepherds, the Savior has come. Jesus' birth, one aspect of the purpose of his birth, is salvation. God sent Jesus because he knows you and I and every other person who's ever been born, we have a sin situation. Just like Kinley had a, whatever her situation, whatever her scenario was, our biggest problem in this life is our sin. And we've all been born into a life of sin since Adam and Eve. They committed the first sin. They took the bite of the fruit that was forbidden. They broke God's laws. And from that time forward, every person born has been born into sin. So we all have a situation with sin. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. He sent Jesus to save us. He sent Jesus to save us from something. He sent Jesus to save us for something. And he sent Jesus to save us by something. And so salvation is one part of the purpose of Christmas, but we're going to focus on these three aspects of salvation, from, for, and by, for the next several minutes. What Jesus was sent to save us from, of course, is hell. I wish I could make that a little more acceptable, like candy coat it, soften it up a little bit, put some colorful language, use a euphemism. But the reality is, the bottom line is, Jesus was sent to save us from hell. Because hell is what you and I deserve. Because we have a sin situation. We can't reach God's perfect standards. Be honest with yourself. You can't even reach your own standards most of the time. Right? 
I mean, I know what's good, bad. I know what's right, wrong. Jim alluded to truth, said something about truth. I know what's true and what's not. And you know what? I screw up every day. I fall down all the time. I sin. You sin. If I have to convince you you're a sinner, we got a bigger problem right now. But I bet none of you really need to be convinced that you have a sin situation. You can't meet your own standards. And I think we would all agree that God's standards are higher than our own. So what we deserve, the Bible says, is hell. The wages of sin is death, the punishment, the, the consequence for a life of sin, or even for one sin, is death. And that's not a physical death. We've talked about this here at Elevation Church before. It's a spiritual death. It's talking about eternal separation from God. We just call that hell. Eternal separation from God is what we deserve for the life of sin that we lead. We all lie, we all cheat, we all steal, we all deserve to be separated from God because God in his perfection, God in his holiness, can't invite us in, welcome us into heaven with him when we are separated from him by sin. We're, we're powerless, you see. We're powerless against sin. Born into it, can't control it, unless you have Jesus in your life unless he has saved you from sin. See, the salvation that we have is more than being saved from, from hell, the punishment for sin. It's also about being saved from what I would call hell on earth. Hell on earth, which is living in, in slavery to sin. Check out John chapter 8, verses 31 to 36. John 8 31 through 36. Jesus is speaking and he says, If you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now these disciples at this time, these are Jewish men and women, Jewish people. And they answered Jesus back. They said, but we're Abraham's descendants, we're Jews. And we've never been slaves of anyone. They weren't alive when the nation of Israel when the Jewish people were enslaved in Egypt. They weren't part of that. So they say, how can you say that we shall be set free? We've never been enslaved by anybody, Jesus. How can we be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. <coughs> and a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, every one of us is a slave to our sin. We're a slave to it until Jesus comes and takes up residence in our heart till we submit to him, receive the gift of salvation that he's given. Then we have power over sin. Then we can exercise the Holy Spirit who indwells us to help us get through, get past, get over our sin. That's the challenge of living in Christ. See, it's not just being a Christian isn't just about a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's not just about fire insurance. I mean, that's why I bought in in the first place when I was 21 years old, when I accepted Christ and became a Christian. All I got out of all of this was I don't have to go to hell. Amen, I'm in. Right? That was it. That was, that was all I needed. What I have learned since then is that there's so much more to living as a Christian, to having Christ live in us. And part of that is getting out of our hell on earth situation, getting out of our slavery to sin. I was a slave to sin. I didn't realize how amazingly good at sinning 
I was. By the way, I still am in some areas. God's still got some work to do. Still doing his work. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that too, I tell you what. If you ever get to the point where you're no longer sinning, you're probably going to check out of this life because, you know, God's work in you is done. So, you know, we all have a sin situation even after Christ. We just have power over sin. We have freedom from that sin. So we're free from hell, yes, but we're also free to live this blessed life, this abundant life that Jesus talks about in John 10.10 when he said, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. You and I, we're the they he talks about. He says that he came to have, that we could have life to its fullest extent, that we could live free from slavery to sin, free from hell on earth. Part of that hell on earth is our sin, part of it's pain. Who in this world, who in this room has ever dealt with pain? I know I have. And I'm not just talking physical pain. In fact, I'm really talking less about physical pain. I'm talking more about like emotional, spiritual pain. The pain that gets inflicted on you by other people in our world. For some of you, that pain was inflicted by your parents. Some of you parents look away from your kids right now because they're nodding their heads yes. It'll break your heart. You don't want to see it. If my kids were in here, they'd be nodding their heads yes. I have inflicted pain on my children through my own sin. I promise you I have done that. Some of you have been, you've had pain inflicted on you by, by teachers who told you things like, you'll never learn this. You're not smart enough. You won't get it. Johnny, sit in the back of the room. Susie, sit up here by my desk. Some of you, it was by coaches who told you you were too short, too slow, didn't weigh enough, weren't strong enough. Some of you, it happened in music class. You played that off note too many times, and the director gave up on you, or the choir teacher gave up on you. Some of you, it's, it's the, the legal system, it's the politicians, it's yourself, your siblings. Who knows who's inflicted pain? Bosses? Man, I've had some pain inflicting bosses before. Uh-huh. You learn to put up that brick wall around your heart with some of those men and women that you work for, don't you? They can say, they can call you everything under the sun. You don't even hear them. La, 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 la. Because you've been hurt so bad. You're scarred. So we've all dealt with hurt. Jesus came to free us from the hell on earth that includes this, this pain, this hurt. Because when you have Christ in your heart, then you have confidence, not so much in yourself, but in Christ. Again, when you have Christ in your heart, the Holy Spirit indwells you. He lives inside of you. And when somebody tells you that you're no good, that you're junk, that you're funk, that you're bad, that you're worthless, that you don't have any redeeming value, you've been adopted into the family of God. You're a son of the God most high. You're an heir to the throne. Christ is in you. Are you kidding me? I don't have value. I don't have worth. You can reject that negative message because of Christ in you. You can reject that, that pain that comes from hearing that kind of that lie, that kind of untrue statement that people will make about one another. You don't have to live in that pain. You don't have to receive that pain. You can be free from that pain because you have confidence in Christ. Something else that we can be free from is, is unrealistic or false expectations. Some of us have toiled through life, wasted our lives, trying to live up to somebody else's idea or ideal of who we should be. Parents do this to their kids all the time. I've watched so many. I did student ministry for years, and I watched these student athletes 
try to become everything they, that mom and dad thought they should be, right? Try to see the, the, the kid who's just not built to be the star quarterback or the starting linebacker just kill himself, working out, taking supplements, doing everything in the world that he can do to try to be the athlete that dad wants him to be just so he can live up to dad's expectations. The daughter who tried to swim faster and farther and more perfect so she could live up to what her mom didn't accomplish but wants to live through her, ouch. Some painful stuff, some, some really dark stuff happens when we try to live up to somebody else's expectations of who and what we should be. Lives are wasted in pursuit of man's plans. See, the problem here is man didn't plan for you before the foundations of the earth were laid. Only God did. Only God knows what your purpose and my purpose really is. So when we try to live up to man's plans, we miss very often God's plans. We're trying to live up to something we were never designed or intended to do. And even if we accomplish it, even if we achieve it, blow it out of the water, we've missed the boat. Most of you know somebody, I know several, who have accomplished great things, big things in business or in art, or, or in some other aspect of life, something they've just been so successful with, and yet they're empty, unfulfilled, unhappy. They have no joy. It's because they've lived up to somebody else's expectations, false expectations. Christ came that we can be free from these false expectations so that we don't live empty but live filled, so that we don't live broken but we live with integrity complete and one so that we can be all that God intends and planned for us to be. Something else that Christ gives us freedom from in this hell on earth is the bad habits that we've all developed. These, these sinful things, these bad things. And see, I talked earlier just a few moments ago about how I still sin, right? I still sin. If you have Christ in you, you still sin. If you think you don't, listen, you don't become perfect when you pray a prayer and ask Jesus into your heart. You just don't. You don't become perfect. You carry all of your past into your present and into your future with you. You just carry it with Jesus now at the controls, right? And so with Jesus at the controls of my life, I've turned away from a lot of the sin habits that I developed. Because if you haven't noticed, sin is habit-forming, right? I mean, you think sleeping pills are habit-forming? <laughs> You know, you see those commercials about the new sleeping pills that come out, non-habit forming. I don't believe them. But if you think that drugs and, and alcohol and substances and all these things are, sin is the most habit forming thing in the world. Sin will form some serious habits in your life, but you can break those habits in Christ. He gives you strength and power over those habits. And some of the habits I used to have, some of the sinful things I used to do and the ways that I used to live, God's broken those. And what he does, he puts the Holy Spirit in your heart, and then the Holy Spirit is there to convict you, to give you guidance. And so when you do step out of line, you have that ugh feeling. Some of y'all know what that ugh feeling feels like. Some of you are feeling it like you were feeling it this morning when you didn't want to, you know, come to church and stuff. Right? Some of y'all felt it. I know you did. I did. The alarm went off. I did not want to get up. Yes, your pastor sometimes does not want to come to church. I confess it right here. It's not the most exciting thing every Sunday morning. Sometimes the sheets, my wife, 
much more exciting just to lay there and just kind of snuggle up next to her, especially on cold, rainy mornings. But God's convicted me about that, and so I rolled out and got out of bed and got in a shower and came up here, and here I am. And so are you, and so thank you for that. See, he gives us power over those. He gives us conviction about them. And in that conviction, then we have a decision to make. Will I live by the Spirit who is convicting me right now that I'm stepping out of bounds or giving me guidance that this is the way to go? Will I live by that Spirit or will I live by my flesh, which are the habits that I formed before Christ? Jesus gives you freedom from those bad habits, from your past, from the hurts and the expectations of others. He really gives you freedom to live that full, that blessed life. Are you living free today? Are you living without the bondage and the burdens that come from living by the flesh? If you live with Christ, you may still be burdened. You may still be in bondage because you've not let the power of the Spirit guide you. You still choose the flesh. He died that you may be free. He lived that you may be free. He lives again that you may be free. Are you living free? Mark chapter 8, verse 35. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Let me read that again. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. That's the NIV. The Living Bible says it like this. If you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. I like that translation. I just like the way that reads. It really, I mean, it like speaks to my heart. Because how many of you, like me, want to really live? To put that emphasis on life, to really squeeze all the juice out of life. Like when my life is over, I want to look back and know I really lived. I want the people around me to really live life with me. I want us to have excitement. I want us to have joy. I want us to wring every last drop out of this life that we have. I want to really live. I hope you want to really really live but God says if we want to really live then we've got to really die die to ourselves die to our will to that flesh to your former habits and live by the Spirit of God live for the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ so this is why Jesus was born he was born to, to save us from this hell on earth, from living this life that we established for ourselves. That's why we have Christmas, right? That's, that's part of the purpose. God's purpose for you 
Do you know what it is? See, he saved you from hell. He saves you for a purpose, to live this purpose that he's put in you. Do you know what your purpose is? Do you know how to fulfill God's plans for you? You can only discover God's purpose for you when you have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Again, that's why he sent him. That's why he was born. That's why Christmas. Saved from hell, saved for a purpose, the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose in our lives. But Todd, what do I have to do? I mean, what do I do if I want to be saved from hell, if I want to be saved for this purpose? I mean, what's involved? What's my part of the thing? Because I know there's no, there's no free lunch, Todd. There's no, there's no easy path here. There's no getting by on just a little bit. What do I have to do? I'm glad you guys asked that question. Um, there's an answer, by the way. And it's not my answer. It's, it's God's answer. It's, it's a biblical answer. Um, the Bible says that we are saved by grace, through faith. Saved by grace, through faith. Now, grace is when we don't get what we do deserve. Right? Think about that. Yep, some of you are repeating it. Grace is when you don't get what you do deserve. Right? Grace and mercy, two, two very challenging things. It's, what do we deserve? What did we say a few minutes ago that we deserve? We deserve hell because we all have a sin situation. We all need a Savior. What we deserve is hell. God gives us by His grace everything but if we accept Christ's gift of salvation. How do you accept it? You accept it through faith. Check out Hebrews 11 chapter 1. Hebrews 11 1 says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So I'm saved by God's grace by the confidence of what I hope for and assurance of what I can't see. Saved by God's grace, which, by the way, we don't deserve. We don't deserve God's grace. We can't earn God's grace. There's nothing that we can do to put ourselves in God's good graces. The Bible is full. The New Testament's full of examples of, of Paul especially teaching about how it's not by works that we're saved. We can't feed enough homeless people. We can't clothe enough poor people. We can't build enough habitat for humanity houses. We can't build a church big enough. We can't worship God long enough, praise Him well enough. We cannot be Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, non-denominational enough. I can't earn enough good boy credits to deserve God's grace. I can't pray enough. There's nothing that you and I can do to earn God's grace. God's grace is given freely for those who have faith, who choose to have confidence 
and what they hope for and assurance of what they cannot see. See, I can't prove to you today, I can't prove to you today that Christmas is about salvation. I can't sit down and give you a mathematical equation. I can't break down you know, the Bible far enough. I can give you every evidence in the world from the book that has been the most critically torn apart in the history of mankind. I can tell you personal testimonies from myself, from dozens, maybe hundreds of other people. I can point you to all kinds of evidence, but I cannot today prove to you that the purpose of Christmas is salvation, that Jesus provides everything that I'm telling you that he provides. See, it takes from you one act, and that is simply the belief, the faith, that Jesus really is who he says he is. Who did he say he was? Who does he say he is? He says he's the Son of God. He says he's the Savior, that he came to save mankind, to serve many, to die as a sacrifice, and to rise again to give us life. That was the purpose of his birth. That's the purpose of Christmas, or at least part of the purpose. And if you believe that, if you place your trust in Jesus, that he is who he says he is, and that he will do what he says he will do, save you from your sins, reconcile you with God, then you can be saved from hell, saved for God's purpose, and saved by God's grace. Christmas reminds us that we don't have to live perfect lives. We don't have to be you know, religious people. Can't be perfect and religion doesn't get you anywhere. We can't earn it. See, God did the work. What separates Christianity from so many other, well, I say other, let's not even call it other, from religion, because Christianity is not about religion, it's about a relationship with Jesus. What separates us mostly, bigger than any other difference from the religions of the world, like my two-year-old daughter, has to go looking for a savior. She has to go looking for her mommy. In all of the world's religions, people have to go in pursuit of their God. They've got to go look for him. They've got to live right. They've got to do this, do that, dot the I's, cross the T's, kneel and pray facing the right direction at the right time, say the right prayers, do the right things, serve the right meals, don't eat the wrong stuff. They've got to do all of these works, all of these acts, all of these religious rites and rituals. They've got to chase after their God. On the first Christmas day, our God chased after us. Your God chased after you. He sent Jesus, his son, down that stairway from heaven, wrapped in flesh, he lived a perfect life as a man just like us, faced every temptation, every trial that we can face. He dealt with all of the things in the world that we deal with. 
And then he died a sacrificial death, accused of a crime he didn't commit. Shamed and, and punished and embarrassed. And he took on our sin so that we can be saved, so that we can live free. That's what Christmas is about. That's the purpose. God did the work. God came to you. Celebrate that purpose today and every day. Celebrate it especially here in a couple of days. Celebrate it with all of your family, with all of your friends, with everybody that you talk to. Everybody that comes to your house or whose house you go to, every party that you're at, every coworker that you're with, share with them the good news of your God who comes to you, of our God who came to this world for them, for that person you're speaking to.